Welcome to the Freedom Challenge Online with host and director of the Freedom Challenge, Tracy Doherty. Our mission is to do good by helping enslaved women and children, to do more than you ever thought physically possible, and to do it together by connecting women with a heart for a hurting world. Hi friends, welcome back to the Freedom Challenge Online, our podcast, and we are in a series on biblical justice, and I want to welcome back my friend and colleague Miranda Sprague, who is the Freedom Challenge Coordinator. Thanks for having me again. Exciting to keep diving into this topic of biblical justice. Yes, we had some really invigorating and interesting conversations last session together. And here's a few things we talked about. You know, we started with answering the question of what is biblical justice and how we find this in the biblical definition of righteousness and justice. We concluded that biblical justice is the core belief that all humans are made in the image of God and should be treated with dignity because of that. You know, we have a strong family resemblance of our creator and we are valuable and deserving of dignity and freedom. Aligning to biblical justice means that we follow the God of the Bible and we make that which is wrong right by looking at scripture, not culture, to define what is right. Mm. So injustice is treating a person as though they are not deserving of this dignity and freedom. And this really could look like a lot of different ways of exploitation. Exploiting the vulnerable because of their age, they're unborn, they're young, they're old because of their religious backgrounds, because of geography, where you live in the world, education, socioeconomics, disabilities, or illnesses. All of these things for our own advantage and our own convenience. This is not giving them the honor and dignity that they deserve. Yeah, it was so encouraging last time as we talked about how God passionately loves his creation and desires for his image bearers to be treated with the dignity and honor they really deserve because they are made in his likeness. And so, like you said, injustice is when we are not treating people of the dignity and honor they deserve. Yeah, so on this episode, our goal is to expand the worldview of our listeners, aligning social justice to biblical justice Mm -hmm. and how we as followers of Christ are to live out biblical justice today. Again, if you're living on planet Earth in 2020, you recognize injustices everywhere and every day. We experience it in our own lives, in our broader communities, and daily we hear it on the airwaves. We hear it and see it on tweets, in social media. It is a part of the world we live in. But I think it's so important for us to not allow the culture to shape our beliefs about justice, but to let the Bible shape those beliefs. Absolutely. So what does it then look like if there is so much injustice in the world today and we have this idea of social justice? What does it look like practically for a follower of Jesus to do justly and love mercy, like we talked about last time from Micah 6, 8? And how does this compare to the call of social justice we see today? Is it the same or are they different? Yeah, it's really a great question and one that is sometimes hard to answer and navigate since they can seem to intersect at many points. 
But I think that the biggest difference is one is acting on their own compass of what is right and wrong or what they see as as just. And as followers, we are to act on the biblical compass of justice and how that is to be accomplished. So just like we asked last time, what's God's heart on biblical justice? Let us consider what God's heart is on social justice. And if you really look at it, you know, social justice in just a simple form is positioning ourselves to stand against. You know, we see this all over our culture, standing for our rights, fighting for our rights, seeking retribution for the wrongs done to us. Whereas in biblical justice, we really stand with and walk toward and seek restoration and change in the way that humans relate to one another. And, you know, ultimately Jesus did this, Emmanuel, when he Mm -hmm. came from heaven here on a mission to show up in the flesh to teach us how to do this. Mm. You know, I heard a quote from Lawrence Tong. He is the International Director of Operation Mobilization, which, as we talked about last time, Freedom Challenge is a ministry and initiative of Operation Mobilization. But here's his quote. God expects his people both to bring justice where needed and also to model it personally. I cannot champion justice unless it's reflected in my own life. There are unconscious mindsets we need to overcome, a bias toward others, differences from me to gender, color, belief, status, nationality, education, or handicaps. We inherit these from our culture, our society, and even from our parents. And I've been rebuked for wrong attitudes and treatments of people in my past, and I'm grateful for that. For Jesus followers, our concern for justice is the restoration of shalom. Mm. Not merely peace, but how God intended the world to be in his image. We seek the righteousness of God in the restoration of human dignity. And when we bring aid and development to the needy, when we liberate and empower the oppressed sex trade workers, when we educate children to break the cycle of servitude, we do so to reflect God's intent and his glory, his shalom. And I think that last part is the key difference between them two. Social justice usually just brings about physical relief and freedom, where biblical justice brings complete relief and freedom in the depths of our hearts, our soul, and our identity. Social justice thinks we need to give people dignity, where biblical justice confirms the dignity already within someone and walks with them to complete restoration, not just a full belly or another pair of shoes. Bingo. Can you say that again? I think that's worthy of repeating. Social justice thinks we need to give dignity to people, where biblical justice confirms the dignity already within someone and walks with them to complete restoration, not just a full belly or another pair of new shoes. Woo! Yes, it is so honorable what a lot of organizations are doing out there to bring aid and relief to war-struck in countries, places wrecked by natural disasters, medical supplies to the sick and the poor, you know, rescuing women and children from their traffickers. All of these things are needed, but the reality is that these people are in need of a true and lasting relief and freedom that goes beyond just a meal or supplies or donations. They need justice. They need to know their dignity 
the ability to solve problems empowered by the love of Jesus. Mm. So for us as followers of Christ to do justly has a bigger why to it. It's a bigger why than just this shoulding. I mm. should do it. This this comes from a place often of religion or obligation. We've all experienced that, that mm. sense of shoulding ourselves. And even from a background of guilt. Yeah, mm. from guilt. Also from a place of, you know, I want to help those poor people. This mm. place of sympathy rather than empathy. This hero, superhero mentality where, you know, I I need to save the day. Mm. And, you know, here's the thing. We don't need another superhero. Jesus has got it covered. Mm. God's got it covered. God is just really looking for humble partners Mm. and humble partners in his work. Really, my heart that all of those who are listening and those who engage in Freedom Challenge to have a why that is informed by Scripture and compelled by the love of Christ. Mm. I think that's the key is how we are to do justly is compelled by Christ's love. We act not out of, like you said, obligation or this Messiah complex, but out of this deep understanding of the value I have in Christ and the love I have received and then realize that value that others have. So that when I see or hear of a child being sold daily for sex or hear the extreme poverty of the refugees or the devastating losses someone incurred in a hurricane, I respond out of love for who that individual was created to be and desire to restore their dignity to them just as mine has been through Christ. That's beautiful. I mean, like you said, that's the difference between sympathy and empathy is one is feeling bad for someone and looking on them lowly in a sense. And empathy is understanding that we all are in a place of needing to be restored of our dignity. And that happens through Christ and his love. And so it goes beyond biblical justice, goes beyond just meeting a physical need, but bringing them the hope of Jesus and the freedom they can have today, even beyond their circumstances. You know, a lot of things we hope and we pray and we try as hard as we can to try to change people's circumstances in the world today. But the reality is, is it might not. And so what's amazing about the love of Jesus is he can enter in to their circumstance and give them hope, give them joy and give them peace even today beyond what they might be facing. Now, this doesn't mean we regard physical needs, not at all. I mean, many times physical needs must be met before restoration can even begin. I think of James 2, 14 through 17 that says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone has the faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which they are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Mm. So the reality is, is that even if we save a child or a woman from human trafficking, there is a much deeper need for restoration and salvation in their souls, right? They need to be healed from the sins of the man that enslaved them. Mm. They need to experience joy and hope and peace after all the hurt and agony they experienced. And none of that is possible without the love of Jesus through his followers, tending to physical needs, but more so to their spiritual deep needs of identity. We need to take social justice a step further than just physical relief, but also bring true everlasting freedom, this shalom peace that Lawrence talked about. So, so good. 
You know, I'm thinking about a recent trip I took with a handful of women to Moldova, which Mm. is in Eastern Europe. And, you know, it's so often that we don't want to walk toward and turn toward that which we cannot fix. It's really an issue of the Western church. We just want to fix. And why get involved if it can't be fixed? Mm. And really, if you look at what it looks like, biblical justice, it's walking toward and standing with for restoration. So Mm. encouraging the team, knowing that there would be things in that culture in that project, in that ministry that they simply cannot fix. But to see themselves as part of that restoration process, what does it look like to simply stand with a person in their pain, Mm. to have space to hold their story Mm. and to bear witness with them in their pain instead of fixing and trying to make it better. Mm. There's something beautiful and noble about even the very picture of Emmanuel who came to bear witness to our pain, Mm -hmm. to hold our stories. And then we know eventually he became, as we talked about in our last session, our righteousness. Mm. And when we are that in people's stories, we're actually pointing them to Jesus. So Mm -hmm. brought this group of women And what I love about this particular OM project that Freedom Challenge is a part of contributing to and supporting through the years is it's really fueled by local people in Moldova who know their culture, Mm. know what works, who have the, let's say, the marching orders from the Holy Spirit on Mm. how to be present and bearing witness to the stories of the oppressed in their community. Mm. So we were a part of what we would call a vulnerable group girls conference and our women got to be a part of hearing the stories and even though there's this cultural barrier with language there's something that surpasses that in the spirit when you're sitting with someone when you're touching when you're holding when you're looking in the eyes and you're not missing their faces Mm. think about how people when they're oppressed and abused they don't feel seen right they feel forgotten unseen unheard so when you just think of people seeing and hearing and touching Even in that, there's a healing that points people to Jesus. So at these projects, we have workers that daily go into some of the most vulnerable communities, bring these children, both boys and girls, into the day center. Some of them, this is the only hot meal they'll get Mm. in a full day. Some of them are living with older brothers and sisters, with grandparents, have no covering, have no one looking after them Mm. except the community workers at the day center. It's so fabulous. They're doing homework with them. They're feeding them. They're seeing them. Mm. They're knowing what's happening in their life. So from those day centers, the most vulnerable are selected and they come to this vulnerable girls camp. And Mm. there they are educated. They're known. They hear about the love of Jesus. They get to experience being a child again. Yeah. My sister went on that trip and she just said, it's a summer camp. They get to have fun. They get to swim in a pool. They get to, you said, just be a kid. They They went to the zoo, all kinds of things where the heaviness and the weightiness of the world has fallen upon some of them. I mean, I've heard stories of girls going back home immediately after this and being sold by their mother and Mm. having lines of men waiting. I was there myself. I encountered two young boys. You know, the boys are increasing more and more in the Mm. areas of sexual exploitation and trafficking. 
brothers 8 and 13 who Mm. had been exploited and trafficked from their very school by the dean. Mm. And this day center was a stabilizing, healing force to be present in their life every day. So it's, it's things like this that Freedom Challenge has the opportunity to bring biblical justice to. And again, it's not just the frontline workers. I mean, Mm -hmm. the frontline workers are very important. They know what to do. But it's also the women that are climbing, the women that are getting others to support and give to the projects. All of these things include this beautiful picture of what it looks like in biblical justice to stand with on behalf of those who who do not have a voice right and like you said within these projects it goes a step further they they initially meet that physical need a a safe place a hot meal help with their homework fun for a kid but then they go deeper and they really through just being there and comforting them and being there to hear they show the love of jesus but they also give the opportunity and share them the hope and the love and the joy that they can experience through christ so in that i think something amazing happens when we bring biblical justice into unjust places because what we see in social justice is physical needs being met but in biblical justice we see transformation of individuals which then affect their families yes and then communities and then countries and beyond Mm. and I think that's what is so important I remember reading this encouraging thesis paper from a professor at Baylor and basically he was just saying that the work of missionaries turns out to be the single largest factor in ensuring the health of our nations wow and I was like wow that's a pretty big thesis statement and he went on just with some facts that shows that over the last 300 years the places where there were conversionary missionaries who focused not on political transformation. I mean, they were part of that, but mostly on personal transformation, just being there for the one, right? Bringing them hope, bringing them joy, and bringing them the Christ love, that it brought about the greatest democratic reform in social welfare. Welfare, sorry. And in that showed that they had less infant mortality rate, better economics, more involvement, just saw that whole community thrive. And I think that's what's so great about OM and the Freedom Challenge projects. I mean, Operation Mobilization's whole mission is to see vibrant communities of Jesus followers among the least reach. And so, again, I think what's so great about biblical justice and how it differs from social justice is it brings personal transformation, which we see goes on and affects, like I said, families, communities, and onto the world. And so I think if we want to find real justice, we find it when an individual is changed, not just the law is changed. That's so good. And I'd like to share one more story about Moldova, this same trip that we went on. We had an opportunity to go to one of the elderly women's homes. She lived on the very top of an eight-story building, and she was an older woman who was tasked with caring for, I believe it was five or six of the children the parents had left, very vulnerable, no money income, All of the kids were at the day center. And so we went and visited with her, you know, no bathroom in her kitchen in her apartment. 
sat in there with her and she began to share about how she'd experienced the love of Jesus Mm. through the community workers who would Mm. bring her a meal. And then because of that, they had access to these kids who now are at the day center and are actually being seen and known. Mm. But when we were actually in that room with that woman, we asked her about what she does all day, how you get up and down the stairs, you're looking after all these kids. And we said, do you ever read your Bible? And she said, I can't read anymore because Mm. my eyes are bad and the lady mentioned to us we want to get her a pair of glasses so she can Mm -hmm. read the bible so someone in our team actually had a pair of glasses in their bag she pulls Mm -hmm. out i'm talking about probably a five dollar pair of glasses from costco yeah puts them on and you would not imagine this precious elderly woman's face Mm. just such a simple thing and all of a sudden the word of life is open to her and Mm. she can read the scriptures she Mm. could read the scriptures to her to her kids and you know just like what you're saying is just such a simple thing but how much that's going to transform her Mm -hmm. as she's tasked with being the only and sole caretaker of all of these kids right and -hmm. now she's got these glasses and she's able to pour in so so many beautiful ways that the one the focus on these things can really truly change lives and you know the thing about jesus is that he was rather uninvolved with politics and reform. Right. You know, when I went to Moldova, there were so many things politically. I'm like, this is unfair. This is unjust. Someone needs to stand up against that. But he really was not involved in that. He wasn't a zealot. And matter of fact, so much so that he annoyed people. They wanted, they had a different expectation. (laughs) Exactly. What he would be like. Yep. You know, he didn't participate in the protest against Rome. And he actually complied and paid his taxes. Mm -hmm. Unorthodox in Mm -hmm. some ways, getting the coin out of the mouth of the fish. But he did pay his taxes. And he knew that the transformation of government and true justice would come from his personal ministry of meeting people's needs and bringing them freedom from their souls through his love. Mm. And that's what he taught his disciples to do. And doing so, many of his disciples went on to do radical things in their community and the nation. And we know that the world was actually turned upside down by the transformation of the one. Yeah. And I think that with social justice, on the other side, I mean, we see meeting the physical relief, but we see the protest. We see people standing for people's rights, which I think is so important. But the thing is that's unfortunate is even if we change the law, there's still wicked people behind the law, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to change the individuals, not just the law. The law is important. It's the way that we govern. But if we have people in our world who decide not to function within the law, then they don't do anything. So this meeting, and Jesus saw that. He said, I need to work on the transformation of the individual individual hearts because from there that's where we will see true transformation of the world and see true justice be able to happen and ultimately he was trying to get them back to the father's love yeah you think about the sin was and you think about what causes so much pain in the world is the brokenness from a father Mm -hmm. from a mother from Mm -hmm. the family unit Mm -hmm. and if you think about humanity being broken off from the father's love And Jesus then bringing that pathway back to him so they could understand Mm -hmm. who they were and where they're going. Well, and we'll be reminded, like we talked about, of their dignity. And if they're Mm -hmm. reminded of their dignity, they remember that other people deserve that dignity as well. So, so good. So, Miranda, you know, for a follower of Christ to actually Mm -hmm. do justly, which is what we're talking about. What does it look like to do justice? 
It looks like meeting the needs of both spiritually and physically and to go further than that surface level need and to go into the deeper needs, such as the restoration of their true identity. Mm -hmm. You know, practically, what are some of the ways that that would look like? You know, I was watching this really great series that broke this down, and it talked about this idea of welcoming the stranger. And what that meant was just engaging more in hospitality within your own home. I was really challenged to think about, have I been open to be inconvenienced to see the daily people around me who are facing big and small injustices and need help physically as well as reminded of their dignity? And, you know, some things that my husband and I were talking about with this refugee crisis and many of them coming here. And unfortunately, the foster care system is taking in a lot of the kids. And though we're not in a position to fully open up to foster care, although I think that's a way to do that, to open up for the stranger in hospitality, there is a great way if you could sign up to be a babysitter for those who are in foster care because, wow. you know, they have to have particular babysitter. It can't just be anyone. But anyways, just looking at where you are now, is it the widow, a uh, neighbor? Is it the outcast that your kid knows at school? Is it the poor that you see on your local streets? Just who is the stranger in your community and how can you hospitably welcome in their home? Because when you do that, you don't give them dignity. You remind them of their dignity. You say you're worth coming into my home and a meal and a good actual conversation and someone to look into your eyes and see that you're a person who deserves love and respect and honor. And we're made to connect. Mm -hmm. So when we think about the face, you know, what does it look like to not miss people's faces? So when we actually look at a person in their face and Mm -hmm. hear their story, back to hearing their story, holding their story, not fixing them Mm -hmm. and creating an outcome that you think would be good, but Mm -hmm. simply having space in our own heart to walk towards, stand with, and be with for that restoration. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah. And then I think on a broader scale, supporting and engaging with churches and organizations that are doing that in your communities and nationally and globally that bring aid and the gospel. A plug here for, again, Operation Mobilization and the Freedom Challenge. That's what we're doing. And if you're looking for what's a way that I could do justly as a follower of Christ today, engage and give to Operation Mobilization and Freedom Challenge. I mean, more than even just writing a check, get involved and know the stories and the faces of what's happening around the the world and help support what they're able to do because you're not not everyone's able to go there's so many amazing initiatives and of course i'm going to be partial toward om but you know <laughs> there's everything from short-term long-term missionaries sent there's scatter global which yeah. is phenomenal innovative way to actually get people to some of these places that are more difficult to get to you know all of these things you could find on the om website mm-hmm. and i encourage you to do so and there's just so many great organizations yeah. that yeah. are doing excellent work. That's good. Yeah, that's a way that we could do justly. And then I think another way is go and do the work yourself, right? Not only in your local communities, but maybe God's calling you or challenging you to engage in this work long-term or short-term. And again, another way that that could look like is doing a freedom challenge or going on one of our missions Woo-hoo! trips. Woo! <laughs> Being able to go and, like you said, be the person who can sit with the person and listen to their story. Or the challenges, man, that's really going to do the work you're becoming a voice for the voiceless and being an advocate for their justice. And so I just think that those are two great opportunities of how a follower can do justly today in this day and age. So Miranda, paint a world and how it would look if we stop just depending on the nation's justice systems to figure out justice. Mm. What does that look like? 
Um, I think if we actually were to take on the burden ourselves to see people around us and the world to receive the justice they deserve, I think it would be earth shattering. I mean, even health shattering, right? I would, it would rock the enemy because he wants us to not think of the individual and to rely on someone else to do the change. Because if we keep relying on someone else, it's never going to get done. But if we can make these small steps of hospitality and engaging and remembering the people out there who need to be reminded of their dignity, then we ourselves are helping bring justice to Mm. this world. We are justices of the peace, of God's peace we talked I about last love episode. It. We are justices of God's peace. Miranda, I've so loved having these conversations with you. They've challenged me. I hope they've challenged you, all of you listeners. You can continue on with us. We have two more sessions on biblical justice. And there's so much that you can dig into. We will have some notes and references to some of the things that we talked about. If you'd like to look deeper into them on the episode notes. For now, God bless you. And remember, our challenge and their freedom. Thanks for listening to the Freedom Challenge online. For more information about what we do and how you can partner with us, check out our website, thefreedomchallenge.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at the FCUSA.